Well, good morning, Hill City Church. It's great to be with you again today. Counted a privilege to come and share the word with you. Welcome to maybe some of you that are joining us for the very first time. We're always grateful for having people come and watch us. Um, today's awesome. Today is awesome. We're talking about a, a very important subject. We're talking about the church. We're starting a brand new series today, and it's called Ecclesia Future Church. I will go in and explain the meaning of that word here today, but uh, I'm going to call this uh, message No Parking. No Parking. Why am I calling it No Parking? Because you see, the church is a dynamic and supernatural movement. It's not a static institution. Uh Men have bad habits of building monuments and memorials, but what Jesus is building is called a movement and it's called his church. And that's who we are and who we get to be. And we're going to study the book of Acts and, and everybody who comes and preaches in this series, we're just going to go through line by line, chapter by chapter. And I'm really excited about what God is going to impart into your hearts and you're going to discover your roots and you're going to hear all about the early church and what they did, who they were and how we picked up where Jesus left off. Yeah, we, we with them because we are the church in the world here today. People are kind of worried, you know, they're speculating about the future of the church, kind of what it looks like and so on. And there's all kinds of talk. Well, listen, you got to remember this. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is building his church and you're his church. Like that would be like saying, I'm worried about you because you don't have faith in Jesus anymore. Listen, what Christ is doing, what God knows is going on in the earth. This is timely. This is awesome in the purposes of God. We just need to understand to walk in our calling in all these things. So don't be worried, okay, about what the future of the church looks like. God is going to lead us along and it's going to look different. It's kind of like, you know, actually us church people, we're kind of notorious for um, parking, <laughs> Uh, parking on a one-time event or experience. And even when I get into the first part of the book of Acts in here, we talk about Pentecost. It, the intention wasn't to park on that. It was to launch the church forward. And as the Bible teaches us, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. God wants us to keep pace with what he's doing. And the church is not a weekend idea, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not a weekend idea. It's an everyday lifestyle that we live. And the book of Acts brings that out so well. We're going to learn about the biblical origins of the church. Uh, and uh, we're going to describe in the book of Acts as we read it, who the church, early church was and what they were like. And uh, if you didn't know, uh, the book of Acts is actually part two of, of Luke's writings and the history of how the Christian church began and, and how, how it grew. And, and, and the, the book focuses on a couple of characters in here. You'll see primarily three, you'll see Peter and you're going to see Paul. And they, they actually had two different roles in this. Peter was like the central person that was beginning the church in Jerusalem. But then Paul, the apostle Paul, uh, he was key missionary. He, he went out to the, the surrounding nearby countries uh, telling others, about Jesus. And uh, so not only are we going to find out about the, the early beginnings of the church, but we also learn in the book of Acts all about the coming work of the Holy Spirit, the coming work of the Holy Spirit in you and I, in people, and we see his work in it. So let me define Ecclesia for you. Ecclesia means the called out people. 
in simplicity, the called out people or, or the gathering of those summoned, you know, you are called by name, by God. It's a, it's, it's not a, a, you're called, not called into a religious system, but into a relationship with him. You're not a political party. You're not just some organization. You are the ecclesia. You are the called out people. Remember Isaiah says, yeah, I have called you by, by, by name, child, you're mine. It's a personal relationship with God. You are, he's, he's called you out of darkness into his glorious light. It's a very personal thing. The ecclesia is the called out people. Christians, in other words, at the time were, were facing some challenges because of all this, because um, why were they getting a lot of pressure and trouble from kings and rulers? Because, because they, were, they were now all of a sudden people under King Jesus instead of under the ruler of the day. At least they were understanding it. So they were getting martyred for their faith and crucified and, I mean, all, arrested all kinds of things because, you see, they dropped uh, they dropped um, Caesar as their king and they took up Jesus Christ as their king. And you, so you can see the dilemma. There's even a scripture uh, I'll refer to here in Acts 17. It's six and a half, six B and to seven. It says, these men have turned the world upside down. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, we're talking about the church and what was going on. And, and this is why, because it created quite a bit of uh, political upheaval and, and leaders of the day were intimidated by this Jesus that people were following uh, and they were giving their lives to. Okay, and yet he wasn't a political figure. Uh, but it says there, these men have turned the world upside down, have come here also, and Jason has received him. And they're, they're all acting against the, the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. This is why everything went crazy. Well, you know, they face challenges uh, from political leaders. They face challenges in society and from the populace. And we are as well. Not that we are going to try and cause those problems. In fact, Jesus, we, you know, we have lots of teaching in the Bible about, you know, no authority is established except what Christ has established. God has established. And, and, and there's a place of submitting to authority. But we serve King Jesus first, right? And I, I need to ask you, though, as we face these challenges, we get into this because we're talking about the power and the promise uh, we, that is being unfolded unto us in the book of Acts. How are you doing as a witness in your Jerusalem? Because you're going to find out that their witness was powerfully impacted. And when you're a powerful witness, it's probably going to stir a little bit of unrest in community However, it's unto the love of God that's actually going to cause life change, but it'll be noticed is why it stirs up because people start talking about Jesus more than they talk about anything. So Acts, really what it does, the book of Acts, it affirms that God is present in his church in a very true and unique sense, really actually enabling God's people to overcome every conceivable barrier that they're ever going to face in their mission outreach that they're on in this witness plan. You're in the, you're in the God witness plan. <laughs> I guess you could say it that way. So let's get into this. One of the first points is we just, we're just going to walk right through starting in Acts chapter one, uh, verse one to eight. And I'm just going to call point one is the promise. It describes the promise. These were Jesus parting words. Okay. Uh, so he's 40 over here, here, he's 40 days, uh, uh, after, um, the resurrection and he appears and he's teaching and he's talking to the disciples. And then in this little window, just before he ascends to heaven, here's what you find out. 
Acts 1, verse 1 to 8. It says, in my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. And after this suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Command, okay, not suggestion. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So it wasn't the first time he mentioned it, okay? He said in verse five, and this floored me when I read this as a, as a young believer, <laughs> John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wow, what? A baptism of the Holy Spirit? I know baptism in water, but what's this? Verse six says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. The father is set by his own authority, but here's the deal. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the, really, to the ends of the earth. How exciting. Talk about, talk about empowerment for the mission. It was a promise. Stand away from the promise of the Father. And, and it's interesting that this, even this reference of 40 days, this is a number. But in Bible, in the Bible, as you study numbers, you find out a lot of things. And it means actually it speaks of transformation and completeness through testing. There was this promise was going to bring some completeness and transformation to people. Yes, it's the same 40 days. Jesus, 40 days testing in, in, in the desert. In the wilderness, Noah, 40 days, 40 nights of rain, Israel in the desert, 40 years. So the day of completeness and transformation had arrived and crisis has announced this and they're repeating it here in the book of Acts. So this, this is this power that he's talking about is dunamis power. It's, it's, it's the root word dynamite. Okay. Explosive power from God in heaven. We'll go and wait for this promise of this power, this the promise of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, so I say that to say it's dunamis power. It's not power to park. It's not power just to sit in one place and park and just go, okay, well, we're just going to wait till Jesus comes back. No, no, this was assignment. And this was power in the promise for them. And it was really through the work of the spirit that God enables his people to do the things they could never dream of doing on their own. <laughs> Somebody put their hand up. Hello. It's so true. Okay, it's about doing God's will beyond our natural gifts and abilities. Okay, this is supernatural power for you and I. It's a gift for the bride of Christ until he returns. So that's the promise. The, the second part that we read as we move along in the book of Acts is the ascension. So it's the, the story of the ascension of Christ ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of his father in heaven. Uh, and But it also speaks of the promise of his return that we know about. So in Acts chapter 10, sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 10 to 11, it says they were looking, looking intently up into the sky. Okay, put yourself there. Okay. <laughs> when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Okay. And they were, they were testifying the fact, listen, Christ is going. He said he was going to, and he'd have to go before he would send the Holy Spirit. So he goes to heaven. It's announced. They're told, but he's going to come back in the same way. Powerful words. And uh, I don't know how, what that's going to look like when Jesus returns. And we don't know the day or the hour, but he's going to come back in the same fashion that he left. 
And uh, it's going to be absolutely stunning. I can tell you that. But I want to read you Ephesians 4 verse 9 to 10 because, because you need to remember, he who ascended also descended. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. There's no parking, ladies and gentlemen, in the promise, in the ascension of what you're going to be doing until he returns. There's there's something in this that we need to catch that Jesus, who is sitting at the right hand of God, the father, who is now praying for you. And interceding for you, remember he said to Peter, I'm praying that your faith isn't going to fail. Well, he's praying that your faith doesn't fail either, but you walk in this power that you just don't park uh, and 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 say, and just wait uh, until he comes. There is a work to do, in other words, for you and I. And Jesus is, is here, man. He's here for us, for you. He's got power by the Spirit. He wants to impart to you through this baptism of the Holy Spirit for you to walk in this mission that he has commissioned you toward. The church, you and I, we pick up where Christ left off. He goes to heaven. Okay, church, go for it. We're that church. We pick up where Christ left off. Okay, the, the, the third thing that I want to talk about as we move along in the book of Acts as we pick up in verse 14 is the waiting, the waiting. <laughs> you say waiting. <laughs> Man, did you see the line up down at Costco the other day? It's like, I hate waiting. <laughs> Anyways, no one likes waiting anymore. It's interesting. And yet, and yet what you're going to read here and hear from me in the scripture is that we are to wait for the promise and we're to wait for the power. Acts 1, verse 14 to 17, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer notice the words all and constantly along with with the women and mary the mother of jesus and with his brothers in those days peter stood up among the believers in a group numbering 120 and said this is how many were there brothers and sisters the scripture had to be fulfilled to which the holy spirit spoke long ago through david concerning judas who served as a guide to those who arrested jesus he was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So it, the challenge here was Christ was this, listen, go and wait, go and wait, go and wait for the promise of the father. And I, I find it's interesting that the reference of Judas is right here. He was one of our number and he shared in our ministry. I, I read in the Bible words like, hey, Mitch, hey, you who's reading the Bible, who believe in me, be careful lest you fall. Be careful lest you fall. And here we are having, having the, the commandment about waiting for the promise of Father for power. You and I need power in our lives to remain and continue as a witness of Christ. And we are to be careful that we don't fall. This is why we need power, ladies and gentlemen. You see, it's funny, the thing about waiting is, is, is it today to us, it seems like, uh, it seems it's more wasteful to most of us, this waiting idea. It's almost like there's a, a disdain toward it. And um, all the huge sports manufacturers have slogans that are like, that are now and don't wait and just do it and things like that. And, and, and technology is teaching us to become actually like these driven or aggressive achievers, uh, driven for desire and to make it happen. Uh, and it, it's quite contrary to this idea of waiting. How about be still and know that I am God, this waiting on God idea and they were commissioned commanded you go and wait 
And they waited and they waited and they waited and they were constantly in prayer and they were all together. It says there was 120 and it's interesting segue in the story is that uh, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was 120 there. But in Jerusalem, there was about 500 at the time. So there was a whole bunch of people that didn't that took off like 380 that actually weren't waiting. OK, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting what happened there. But how excellent for you and I to strike a stance as a quiet receiver and and allow the Holy Spirit to come and work in our lives. Things to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why this is so applicable to you and I today to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No parking, only waiting. And the only waiting that we're going to do is going to be waiting on God. And waiting on God isn't parking. It's very purposeful. And it's a place, it's a stance as a receiver from God. I, I can't leave this out as I go along in the story, as I made reference to Judas. And, and that is uh, all of a sudden they're like, well, OK, we got to figure this out, guys, because we don't have Judas among us. We need a replacement. My point number four is the replacement. In Acts 1, verse 21 to 26, they come to an agreement about who the replacement would be uh, for Judas, who was no longer among them. And it says here, it says, therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us. The whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these, for, from sorry, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put in some conditions upon who could fit this, and it wasn't just anybody. It had to be someone from among them uh, who had been with them the whole time that Christ was living among them. And and uh, and and was a witness of the resurrection. So verse 23 says, so based on that, they had this narrow selection. They said, so they nominated two men, says Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, said, Lord, you know everyone's heart of these that we have named. Show us which of these two you have chosen uh, to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, it says, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. What's interesting here is that his name Barsabbas means son of promise. And his other name, Matthias, means gift. It's interesting that, that the, the replacement is a son of promise and that it's a gift. Well, when we pick up where Jesus left off, they picked up where Jesus left off. We pick up where Jesus leave off, left off. And notice it has a whole lot to do with the church raising others up, raising others up to pick up where others leave off because some people pass away and they go to heaven. <laughs> and and this is a the blessing of God in heaven is that when we are discipling, that we become disciples and then we disciple others and we teach disciples to disciple others. And it's an ongoing process because the work of God is going to keep going. But I want you to actually go, hey, hey, maybe I'm the replacement. You know, replacement sounds like a funny word to us, but I want you to see the notion here. It's like we got to go on with the with the who the witness is of who Jesus is. And this is who we are. 
you're a witness of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. The Bible teaches us we are going to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is our witness of Jesus in our lives and what the son of promise has done. And, and I, you know, we become the sons and daughters of promise, walking in the promise of God, bearing witness of Christ. And it is a gift from God to the earth when you shine your light and share Jesus with other people. And we pick up. So the replacement, um, maybe I'm thought of yourself as somebody's replacement. Um, well, it's supposed to keep multiplying. So hopefully those people that, that, that point you in the direction and disciple you, they keep going for sure, but you keep going and you help others keep going. I love that part. Anyways, they were on it. We should be on it too. We should be on it. Point number five is the empowering. I want to pick up in Acts chapter two. Now we hit Pentecost, kind of exciting. So the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is going to be poured out on those that are waiting in this upper room. And God is still pouring his spirit out today. You say he is, yeah, he is. Baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. We understand water, baptism, water, but this is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, just an important note, important note as we go forward here, and that is that um, uh, Pentecost means 50th, okay? Uh, and it was a main festival of Israel held on the 50th day after Passover, uh, also known as the Feast of Harvest. I find that so wonderful that the word picture right within scripture about what God was doing, they waited and they wanted more of God. And then we have in the Beatitudes, we have, well, blessed and happier they who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they will be filled. And here it's a feast of harvest <laughs> and a harvest unto what? Actually the empowerment to be a witness for souls, but there's this desire for more of God to do the will of God. It's beautiful. It's all here in scripture. Anyways, in Acts chapter two, verse one to 13, uh, here we go. Like this is just like, whoa, we're going to go. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Remember, constantly in prayer. Okay. Suddenly, every time you got the suddenly, you got to go, what's happened here? Well, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed means utterly amazed. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Capitosa, Pontus, Asia, uh, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Interesting studies should go back and look at what those places are, like Turkey, northern Turkey, uh, Mesopotamia, these different places. Those are real places. All these different languages. They were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? I think I'd be asking the same question. Some, however, made fun of them and said, well, they've had too much wine. Uh, you ever heard someone that's had too much wine talking? It's kind of a bit of a jumbled up kind of sound. And I think they, they actually just went, whoa, what in the world is going on? I want to I mention here, so here we have the Holy Spirit poured out and we see this manifestation. We see they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit 
enabled them. But what was happening is they were being empowered from an eye. They were being endued from an eye with power. And the evidence of that was they were going to begin to, they began to speak in tongues as the spirit enabled them. And it, it says in verse two, it says, there's, there's basically these two Greek words here for being filled because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the first ones is pleru, which means filled inwardly, filled inwardly. And in verse four, the other Greek word is, is pletho. I'm probably massacring the pronunciation here, but that's okay. Um, you get it. But, but it means filled outwardly, outwardly, filled outwardly or furnished and equipped. Okay, so filled inwardly, one with the Greek words, and then filled outwardly, meaning furnished and equipped. They were being equipped with power for the ministry that God has them. God wants to equip you and I, those who God calls, he equips you called, therefore he equips. Part of his equipping is the Holy Spirit. You see, this was the anointing of the Spirit for ministry. Every believer needs filling of the Spirit, both inwardly in their life and outwardly for ministry. No parking empowerment, personal empowerment. Notice each one of these 120 people each received their own personal pillar of fire. I never really saw it quite like that before. And it initiated a brand new beginning in their lives. They had never spoken in tongues before, but it was it was a, a personal pillar of fire to lead them into promise. We have types and, and shadows of this in the Old Testament, we have the, the cloud and we, and, and we, but we have also the pillar of fire, pillar, pillar that, that shows up and the pillar that led Israel. And, and these are, these are powerful illustrations of what God was going to do personally, uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit for each person to bring them into his promises to walk, have power to walk in the promises of God and fulfill the calling of God in their lives. Peter starts to explain it. Aren't you glad? And he says in Acts 2 verse, um, uh, 2 verse 14 to 18, he says, it says, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this for you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This was a big statement. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Powerful statements. And all these sounds were like of the spirit filled people like like and what he's even declaring from the book of Joel. They're going to prophesy. They're going to dream dreams. They're going to see visions. I'm going to pour my spirit out. Well, you see. This is what occurs in the lives of spirit-led, holy, active, non-park people who are walking in the fruit of the spirit, okay? You have to remember, this is now Peter. This is Peter who, who only, only six weeks prior um, denied Christ three times. And now he's preaching in the power and the authority of the spirit. And I, I want to encourage you, this is the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in your life as a believer. My goodness, um, I was so tied up and bound up in all kinds of fears and, and even afraid just even to talk in front of people. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. And I'll tell you, all of a sudden, the scripture had a new meaning where it says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of one of power, love, and a sound mind. All of a sudden, it's like, I'm, I'm 
I feel excited, free, and empowered to proclaim and share about Jesus, whereas before I was kind of shy and kind of intimidated and afraid to even talk in front of people. Now I was all of a sudden excited about it, and I have ever since. And uh, you and I, this is for us, this outpouring, this, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit is literally, literally that. Remember what I said in Acts 1 verse 8, dunamis, dunamis power, and you will receive dunamis power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Point number six goes into uh, really one of the very first uh, first gospel sermons that we hear preached in the early church. And so point number six is the gospel preaching. And, and Peter was an example of this because he goes on in Acts 2, verse 21 to 24. And he says this, and, and this is gospel preaching. Listen to it. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. True. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him up from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he picks it up in Acts 2, 32 to 33. Again, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the future church, which is you, and this is tomorrow. This is you tomorrow. You preach the gospel. You preach repentance. You preach Jesus. You testify of the Jesus in you because you are now empowered as a witness by the Holy Spirit. And notice, notice he refers to how it's confirmed with miracles, signs, and wonders in Acts, in, in verse 22. And, and this is how God wants us to walk in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are set, they're, they're literally, um, they're literally poured out in conjunction with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives all by the Spirit's power. Look what it says in Acts 2, 36 to 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is what, this is what gospel preaching does. It's what it did to you. It's what it did to them. And this is what happens when you and I preach this. And look what it is. Acts 2, 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Don't mix any words. There it is. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children, for all those who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And it says those who accepted this message <laughs> were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow, that's no more parking because there's more preaching. Preaching changes lives. And when it's received, no one can escape the claims of Jesus Christ. It says that they were cut to the heart. The Greek word right here indicates the deepest sorrow, emotional agitation. It takes, it's taken from a root word that means mortally wounded. Okay, the preaching of the gospel it's like a double-edged sword. God does with it in the heart what God wants to do. But if it's not preached, they don't hear it and they don't get saved. The Greek word translated from for the word repent means both to change the mind and direction of your life and to turn back to God and to turn back to God. 
It's so powerful, ladies and gentlemen. We need to preach and share the gospel repentance story and share our testimony. Preach and share the Holy Spirit gospel messages. What's that? How about exhortation? You say, well, you know, I'm going to sound like you want me to, you know, hit people on the head with the Bible. No. How about by the power of the Holy Spirit, have a word of exhortation for people who don't even know Jesus. But because it comes from God, it's a word timely by the Spirit under his power and his unction to someone that actually brings the gospel and truth to them. Boom. That's going to cut to the heart. That's going to make a change. That's going to do something. Okay. Yeah. Like him, some we warn, some we plead with. You ever pleaded with some? I've pleaded with people. Uh, and it's interesting. I didn't plead with them when I first met them, but I pled with, I was pleading with them later on because now all of a sudden they had a, this, this terminal condition in their lives. And I, it was quite possible they were going to die. And it was serious. And so I, I pleaded with them. I pleaded with people who have turned away from God. And I said, come back to God. Come on, you know who he is. Preaching the gospel exposes the corrupt world that's all around us. And you say, that's not pointing to the world. Understand what I'm saying. Oh, look at those bad, that bad world around us. Look at all those evil things that those people are doing. No, 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 no. Preach gospel truth. Preach the gospel message under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and to the listener who doesn't know Jesus, what will be exposed not only will be their heart, cut to the heart, mortally wounded, but it will expose the, the corrupt world around them because they live in that system. And they're going to see the difference between God's system and the system that is actually not helping them at all and is actually causing more of their frustration. It's life. <laughs> the gospel is life. It gets us saved. It's, it's powerful, but it needs we can't park. We need to preach, okay? And and the gospel, you, you need to understand, it cannot be bound, okay? God will see to that. It was uh, it was Paul in prison. He said, God's word is not chained. <laughs> I might be in chains, but God, it's like, it's like, man, the opportunities we have today to preach the gospel are manifold, and we need to do it. Christ's final word to his disciples was that they were to start preaching where they were, okay? And remember Acts 1.8, again, Jerusalem, he says, and you will receive power, to be my preaching witnesses in all of Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, in their Jerusalem. That's what you're going to receive. My last point. How are you doing? I feel like I talk fast today, but I had so many wonderful things here to get through. Let's go to the very end. You know this. This is like, okay, here's the church. Here's this thing that I love so much, community. And we know that where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, there Jesus is in their midst. Wonder why we love it, right? You know, and, you know, not to give up meeting together, but all the more as we see the day of the Lord uh, coming. In other words, the return of Jesus. He ascended. We talked about that, but he's going to come. And, and let's gather all the more. Not get in the habit of giving up on it like some can. It says in the Bible, some will give up on it. Let's not give up on it. Jesus is in our midst when we gather. Okay, so point seven is the community on the move. And it's Acts 2, 42 to 47. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had the need every day. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with gladness in their hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who are being saved. So when you read that last line, verse 47, you're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, but you, you read chapter one and the beginning parts of chapter two, you see what is embedded in being built up in what Christ has done for them to do this. And he has laid all that out right before us. I, I, I commission you go and wait and hunger for more of God's spirit. Get before him and ask God, what is this? I've been baptized with water, but what is being fully whelmed or baptized in the Holy Spirit? What is being filled with the Holy Spirit? What is speaking in tongues as evidence of that filling of the Holy Spirit? I want that because I want more power in my life to overcome sin, to be a witness for God, to, to walk in this calling and commission. Okay. So you can see as we, as we end here today, they were devoted to not parking. They were, they were devoted to community values, which was the all togethers, the all togethers. And when they were all togethers, there was this thing. They were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, which is a different thing than teaching. Uh, and they were devoted to having communion together. Okay. They were devoted to being all together. Okay. Versus disintegrated and, and, and disconnected. Okay. You go, well, I mean, COVID hasn't helped. No, but listen, the connection that you have, how you are one in Christ is not robbed from you for one moment because you haven't seen everybody. Okay. Hear me out on this. Okay. Let's be devoted to be all together. They, they continued to meet together. It, it doesn't say, it doesn't say how, but it said they continued to meet together. Be creative. Get out into a park. Call some people. You know, you're allowed to have groups of 50 outside now. Uh, have a party outside. Call some people. Tell them to bring their own food and let's, let's meet and, and talk. Let's be together. Be together is not complicated and it's life giving. Okay. Not parking together, not parked at home out somewhere together. They continued to meet together. Okay. They gave, they gave, they were, they were, they were experienced the joy of generosity and, and hilarious or cheerful giving and, and enjoying how wonderful it was to actually bless others that were around them, whether they were people in the church or whether they were people outside of the church community, they lived as a community that reached into the community to bring people into community, into these values through the things they practice. They included people. Like you, 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 I can be guaranteed that, that those people were preaching and, and they were including people in the gatherings. Otherwise, this would have been impossible. That many people in, in a single day. Like, come on. They were engaged already talking of witnessing of Jesus, engaged in the love of God. And they were already being generous and all these things. And they were excited about the work of the Holy Spirit in them and, and, and the power of God that was at work within them, how he saves and they don't save, but they're going to be his voice piece. They gave, they gathered in homes and buildings. You can do that. You can do that. The end result, the end result here of, of this community plan is being a community plan, walking in the promise and walking in the power is that the Lord added daily those who were being saved. He added daily. I mean, isn't that our prayer? Isn't that our prayer? The, the Lord do the adding. We do the preaching. We do the reaching. We do the asking, the praying. We do this and we shine brighter. We get together, we get brighter. It's, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like coming together and all connecting actually encourages us to walk in the power that we all understand. We're to encourage one another. We're to bring courage into each other's hearts. 
This is a powerful message, okay? You're the ecclesia. You're the future church. You're the called out ones. I want to pray for you as I close here today. Father, thank you for your word. I, I, Lord, I just ask you, God, that these words would so become life to the listeners. Father, when people do the waiting, thank you that you come in the room because you become the focus of their waiting. And as they're still and with you and meeting with you, come upon them, Holy Spirit. God, as they take time and they go and start reading through the the book of Acts, because we're going to study it all summer. Every preacher who's come is going to walk through chapter by chapter, Lord. We're going to learn what you're doing and who we are as the church. We're getting our marching plans. We're getting reminded of our roots. We're getting reminded, God, of what you want to do in and through us. Father, come and fill people with the Holy Spirit, I pray. Help others, Lord, they're hearing for the first time to repent and to turn to you and turn back to God uh, and follow you, Lord. Give them the grace to do that. Grant that unto them. Lord, for everyone that's here today, bless them and encourage them in these wonderful words we're able to study today. We commit the words of, of God to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you.